it is unusual an unusual setting to you know a to meet somebody that becomes a new friend when you are literally in the the darkest days because as you know lisa like when you're grieving you don't feel like yourself you've got no energy for me my self-confidence just completely plummeted um didn't feel like myself was really unsure of myself um questioned everything was exhausted all the emotions popping off and the grief sneaking up on you and all these things you know it's it's hardly you're not really putting your best foot forward to be like i'm on the market for a new mate you know what i mean but but it was fertile ground for like him and i and for our friendship to grow and um and then obviously the podcast we we like him said we talked for hours about you know do you feel like snap are you irritable and snappy at your partner are you exhausted like are you do you feel shock like you know all of these things and 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 because you know we don't talk about grief it's not like we could really talk about this with our peers or our partners who hadn't been through loss so it was just so refreshing welcome my friends to grief is a sneaky bitch podcast i'm your host lisa kefauver Feeling seen and understood exactly as we are is one of the most profound universal longings we share as humans, and it's never more true than when we're grieving. Someone who can be with us in our messy, ugly, pain-filled days, a person who's happy to skip the small talk and get to deep heart of what matters most, the people we love that we've lost. As I've shared before, that deep soul connection and understanding is often hard to find in this culture of ours, this culture that's grief avoidant and frankly, grief illiterate. This is true whether you've experienced some of the more common and accepted losses like the death of someone you loved, and certainly true when you've experienced a loss that is disenfranchised, perhaps like the ambiguous losses of Alzheimer's, addiction, divorce, and so many more. I'm certainly grateful to have found several of those people capable of deep connections over the past 12 years, including my own grief soul sister, Autumn Campbell, who generously shared her experience of grieving the stillbirth of her son in the first season of the podcast. My guests today have found that understanding in one another, and their work is to create platforms to help you feel seen and held too. Sally Douglas, or Sal, and Imogene Karn, or Im met during the saddest time in both of their lives, after the sudden deaths of both of their mothers. Since then, they've helped each other to higher, happier ground, becoming soul sisters, pod wives, and co-authors in the process. Hosts of the successful podcast, Good Morning, that's spelled M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G, and now their popular book of the same name, These two women bring their British and Australian accents, charm, and wisdom they've learned along their grief journey to our conversation today. You are going to love these two ladies. Listeners, you are in for such a treat. I've been waiting for this to happen for such a long time. I am so thrilled to introduce Sal and M from the Good Morning Podcast. Welcome to Grief is a sneaky bitch. Hi, Lisa. Thanks for having us. It's so good to be here. Thank you so much for having us, Lisa. Such a treat. And we love your podcast. And I think it has to be one of the best podcast names out there as well. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. I I certainly got some uh, concerning looks from family members when I first launched the show a few years ago. Like, what are you going to call it? But the name, I think, as you even really touch on in the book, not that you use that phrase, but really is really an apt description of what happens to us in grief, especially because uh, in the West, I would say at least, or, you know, sort of even in sort of Western culture, we're so um, illiterate about it that it's even sneakier. So grief is a sneaky bitch feels like, um, I hope, you know, an appropriate title, but what I hope and know podcasts like yours is doing your amazing book, y'all, if you're watching on video or I'm sure you've heard all about it, their book, Good Morning, um, honest conversations about grief and loss is out now. What your book's doing, what your podcast is doing, what I hope I'm doing with the work that I'm doing is to help make grief less sneaky. Of course, it's still going to come in waves and it's going to trigger us. But I think I'm curious and we'll talk today. Um, what you think about it is I think some of the sneakiness is really unnecessary and it's because of our cultural failings, basically, I think around the honest, the honesty about what grief is like. I see you nodding. So does that feel resonant for what your experience is? 
Yes, definitely. And we've called, I know there's that waves of grief analogy, but grief is so fucking sneaky that we've called them grief bombs for when it hits you because it's just, it explodes out of nowhere when you least expect it sometimes. So a lot of our work has been around how to catch the grief before the grief catches you unawares. Yes. It's very insane. (laughs) It really is. And I think because we medicalize death in Western society and Mm. then uh, pathologize grief because people are so uncomfortable about talking about it and then grievers feel like they can't talk about it openly and we're not educated on grief and how it impacts us we don't actually know what's happening for us you know for him and I and I'm sure it was the same for you Lisa like you're not really educated on what's going to happen so then things you know the grief kind of catches up and it sneaks out on you and that might be emotionally, physically, you know, mentally, spiritually. And it's just completely like takes the wind out of your sails, doesn't it? And I think that's why it's really important that we're having these conversations, that you're doing the work that you do. We do the work that we do because we're so passionate about letting people know that actually it's okay to talk about grief. And you can talk about grief in a conversational way like this. It doesn't have to be something that you shy away from talking about doesn't have to yeah. be doom and gloom you know you can you can talk about death and you can talk about grief in a way that that is fun dare I say it I, I absolutely agree there's fun there's joy there's fulfillment there's deep connection and belonging which I know you touched on in the book we're gonna mm-hmm. which we're gonna touch on um now yes I agree I think well we could go on and on about this but I want to circle around and sort of anchor a conversation um, with you all, where I do with every guest I've had on the show, and it sort of goes to what we've just been talking about, which is culturally, which includes the, our family life, we learn things about grief, what I call, I've coined grief beliefs, um, which can Im- negatively impact how we experience grief later on in life. So I always ask each of my guests, and maybe Sal, I'll pick on you to go first, to just share a, what comes to mind when I ask you about an early memory of loss in your childhood or young adulthood um mm-hmm. and how were the adults modeling grief and what did that teach you about what it means to grieve or what's okay around grief is, is there a story that comes to mind um well not really because i don't think my parents talked about it so my dad lost his mum when um i was 2 and he was 33 so the same age actually that i lost my mum and then his dad died when i was 4 so a couple of years later when he was 37 um And we never spoke about his experience throughout my childhood. He didn't really ever talk about his parents or the sadness or the grief, but it was obviously there because he, you know, he was, it was obviously there. Um, And it's only when mum died that him and I, we, we broached the topic, but we still haven't really gone there. Like we haven't really gone there. And my mum's parents died within probably about five years of one another when I was 19 to about 25 and again my mum didn't read like we uh, and I regret that now I look back and think I wish I'd asked her more and acknowledged it yeah but we didn't really talk about it so the only memories I have are of the funeral but I don't have any memories of the discussion or their experience with grief or them I'm sure they did express it but it probably came out to me as anger or snappiness not as grief per se you know yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think your ans- your non-answer is an answer, and probably so many people can relate to this, which is we know gra- our grandparents died or the uncle died or somebody died, and yet we never talked about the death. We maybe never even talked much about the person afterwards. So the sort of non-stories that you explain, both about the losses that both of your parents faced, I think is, again, what that taught you was we don't talk about death. Mm. We don't talk about our feelings. We maybe don't show them. So we learn, I think, just as much from the explicit messages that we get, um, Mm. which is in the non-actions and the non-conversations as much as we do from the, oh, stop crying or some of the more implicit, you know, explicit messages. I switched that around. I meant we learn more from the implicit and explicit. Hello, vocabulary. (laughs) Um, Anyhow, so I appreciate you saying that. And I know so many of our guests have shared the same thing. And I just want to reflect something back to you, Sally. You just said you have maybe, I don't know if you use the word regret, but I wish I would have talked to my mom more about her 
parental loss. And I hear this when I work with people all the time, and I've certainly had some. And then I say back to you and to listeners who feel that same way, how could you have done anything different? Like you had learned from your whole life that that was the way we talked about it. So I think we can have in this hindsight, a lot of pressure on ourselves or a lot of self-criticism of if I wish I would have done it differently. And then I just try to remind all of us, like we did the best we could with what we were taught and what you were taught, you know, at that time kind of was like, I don't want to talk about it, you know, in that subtle way. So just as an offering, not that, you know, just as an offering to all of us, we were really good at beating ourselves up after the fact about things we wish we'd have done differently. But the truth is we're always just doing the best we can with what we learned. And now we know better. And we, I can imagine you show up and look, you talk about grief and death and loss for a living. So you've made up. I'm overcompensating over here. No, (laughs) I mean, thank you. That's actually really important to say and I appreciate that um because you're right like it I'd have never thought about it that way but of course I wasn't it wasn't something that I thought I could talk about or knew yeah I wasn't going to go in there and be like so (laughs) mum you know (laughs) she had sent you very very obvious cues that I don't want to talk about it we don't want to talk about it something we don't talk about and yeah. so, yeah, to just give yourself sort of that grace, nobody had modeled conversations. It's why what you all do and what we're the folks in our fields are doing is so important because we are modeling what it looks like to have honest, vulnerable, sometimes bumpy, sometimes uncomfortable conversations about grief and loss so that people will have those skills when it happens to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Em, did you have a similar experience when you think about an early loss or did you learn different grief beliefs sort of in your youth? Yeah, I had a very different experience. I love this question, Lisa, because it doesn't make you kind of go back and think I've never really thought much about it. But I think I was very fortunate uh, that my mum was super open, spiritual, free-spirited. And I I lost a couple of grandparents when I was quite young, but we'll we'll focus on my grandma. So my mum's mum died when I was nine years old. And I remember we talked about her all the time. My mum, she had a sign for her mum. So she was a sea eagle and the sea eagle would like swoop our house and mum would be like, there's Nanan, you know, coming to check in on us. I just recently actually found a letter that I'd written my dead grandma when I was probably nine or 10. And it was so good. I read it out on the pod, but it was like, oh, I'm sorry I haven't come to your grave. Like, I feel you around me all the time. Um, just telling her what my, you know, that I've just bought a kitten. And so I was still connected with her after yeah. she died. And I put that down to my mom and her openness to talk about death and, and what it meant. And, yeah, even up until just before my mom died, we'd talk about my grandma. And I remember my mom telling me my mom was 62 when she died. And so we were sitting down and I was, I just had a baby. And I remember there was some initiative at the hospital where um, elderly women were coming to look after women who just had a baby who didn't have their mother. And I thought it was such a beautiful thing. And I was telling my mom all about this and how great it is that there is that option available for women who don't have their mom. And she was like, look, you never not need your mom. She was 62 and she's like, I still miss my mom all the time. And so we always had that open line of communication about, about her. And so I think I grew up with that, which has probably been one of the reasons why I'm doing Good Morning because it's so my mom and it's her legacy and it's what she would want me to do with her death. So, yeah, I was pretty fortunate to have a, quite a different experience. I love that story. And, um, <laughs> I mean, I love the sort of calling that you were shown how to, like, call your grandmother's memory and her life and her experience into what you're doing and drawing that line through to understanding that this is in a way, what's inspiring you to do the work that you're doing. And I love the difference between your two stories is that, is that no matter where we come from, no matter what we learned, I definitely had more of the don't talk about it kind of, you know. I think that's the more common the one, more right? more common, but yeah. wherever you come from, the reason I ask this question, I do it on the pod, I teach uh, at the university, loss and grief course, I make, I ask my students that, I ask my clients is, it's only when we, like, 
make visible what our grief beliefs are, that then we can make a choice about whether or not they're serving us anymore. And for a lot of us, mm-hmm. when we face some profound loss, I certainly experienced that, you know, first with the death of my husband 12 years ago, is when we start to examine our grief beliefs, we, we start then it's only then we can be like, oh, are these serving us? And for most of us, the answer is no, they are not serving us. They're making us suffer, you know, unnecessarily. So the context of how you all, so you guys both came from these different experiences. For those who happen to not be listeners to your show, which, hello, people, if you're not, go after this show, hit the subscribe button to greet Good Morning Podcast. But can you tell either one of you, sort of tell us a little bit about, you both experienced the death of your moms very close together. You didn't know each other at the time. Mm-hmm. Both were very sudden, right? Sal, your mom died of, I want to say a stroke. I'm not sure if I have that correctly. No, there's something very sudden and in an mm-hmm. instant. And um, M, your mom um, died by suicide and you were both young. I mean, you're still mm-hmm. young. This is just not that many years ago. Tell us, can you tell our listeners how you found each other? Because I think even the how you found each other and why you were in search of a place to find each other is part of what you talk about um, in your work, in your beautiful book, Good Morning Podcast, which is seeking a community of understanding uh, folks. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Shall I, shall I go first and handle yeah. you in? Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> so my mum died um, from a sudden seizure in November 2019. So it's called SUDEP, stands for Sudden and Unexpected Death in Epilepsy. And she had epilepsy um, and they don't really know exactly why it happens, um, but it can happen to anyone if they have epilepsy or not. Um, so it was a complete mm-hmm. shock because she was healthy apart from from that um and I found myself on a flight to the UK like within 24 hours um and I was really lonely in my grief I just found that I was shocked at how little society acknowledges grief and how even if you're well supported like Im and I were you can have friends and family around you how lonely it can feel if you don't have a community of people who openly talk about grief and who are there to connect vulnerably and understand what you're going through because i was 33 and im was 32 and im's mum died by suicide she had no prior mental health um issues so for im it was a complete shock as well yeah. Yeah. um we both felt that we've got friends you know but as young women, a lot of our peers hadn't been through loss. So it was hard to truly relate to somebody. And that's what we both really were looking for, like a friend or some connection. And we both struggled to find accessible grief resources. So we both found that a lot of the grief resources out there were either quite clinical or outdated or just didn't really speak to us at this stage in our life. Um, So so that's kind of what led us to seeking support and to a support group. And I'll hand to Im to tell the story of our meeting um, and how kind the of... The meet cute, as they say in the movies, the meet the cute. The meet cute and then how Good Morning <laughs> came to be. But that was like, yeah, that was setting the yeah. scene. That's kind of where we were both coming from a place of like loneliness, isolation, you know, why aren't people talking about this, ma- this, yeah. this massive universal human experience, you know? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. We're going to circle back around to loneliness because I loved what you had to say in the book about it. So cue the the walking into the room and connecting (laughs) with each other. Yeah, well, we didn't quite walk into the room straight away. We both nearly didn't go to this meetup because we just both felt like Sal said we we were supported by our friends and family and we just thought we're not really support group type of people until you need it. And we both stood out the front of this pub and went, oh, should I go or should I go in? But we both felt this like gravitational pull to go in there. And we think it's our mums without sounding too woo-woo, but we we feel like we were destined to meet. (laughs) Yeah, we feel like we were destined to meet. And as you mentioned, my mum died by suicide. It was horrendous. Like I talked about obviously having a great, kind of example of what yeah. grief is and how to grieve but it, this was just a completely different ball game my yeah. mum was so, so young 62 she didn't have any 
uh, previous mental health issues. It was completely out of the blue. I had a baby at the time. It was just a nightmare is the best way to, to describe it. And I felt desperate to connect with someone who kind of understood what I was going through just to help me make sense of what was happening because I felt like I was going crazy. I felt like I was the only person in the world going through what I was going through. And those were sort of the catalyst for me finding extra support. And so I rocked up to this support group, didn't feel like I connected with anyone that was there. And then Sal walked in late and I was like, I don't know, it was something about this girl, like she's my vibe. I just felt an instant connection with her and we hadn't even spoken. And she sat opposite me and then went to go get something from the bar and someone took her spot. So it was like a real sliding doors <laughs> shit happening. Yeah. You were, you were furious, then, weren't you, Em? <laughs> I was seriously mad. I was like, I don't even know this person, but I'm, you just took her spot That's and right. we're meant to be together. So like, and she's not? my new best friend. So um, like, yeah, <laughs> get out. Yeah. <laughs> Whoever that person was nearly stopped this whole thing from happening. No, I'm joking. <laughs> um, anyway, she ended up sitting at the opposite end of the table and we all went around the table individually and said who we were, why we were there, how our mums died. And because Sal's mum had died suddenly, we were similar ages. Our mums were similar ages. I was like, oh, my God, I feel connected to you. Didn't get a chance to talk at all that day. And I stalked her on Facebook and and messaged her. And I was like, hey, like, mums are dead. You want to hang out? We've got our original messages to each other in our book. In the book. I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. And um, we meet up and we just talk for hours and hours and hours about death and grief. And we must have sounded like so much fun for anyone eavesdropping. Um, But it was so amazing just to feel validated in our experiences. Mm -hmm. It was like a breath of fresh air uh, meeting each other and just having that person outside of our circle that we could relate to and rely on like for support and kudos to Sal like she she sat through some pretty dark shit with me and like I don't know who I am now compared to my grief three years ago very very different people yeah it was very dark and very heavy and she sat there and she witnessed that pain and she just let me talk and didn't try to offer solutions or fix my grief and I will be forever forever grateful for this friendship and for everything Mm -hmm. that Sal this always makes me cry, this part of the story. I don't feel like I'm tearing cry. up now. Uh, but I'm, anyway. I'm so proud, I'm so proud of you, Em. <laughs> I'm really proud of how far you've come, in because it it's very different now to, mm. to when I first met you and to see how you have grown despite all of the tragic circumstances. And I think, you know, it is, it is unusual, an unusual setting to, you know, A, to meet somebody that becomes a new friend when you are literally in the the darkest days because as you know Lisa like when you're grieving you don't feel like yourself you've got no energy for me my self-confidence just completely plummeted um didn't feel like myself was really unsure of myself um questioned everything was exhausted all the emotions popping off and the grief sneaking up on you and all these things, you know, it's it's hardly, you're not really putting your best foot forward to be like, I'm on the market for a new mate. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> but for, but it was fertile ground for like him and I and for our friendship to grow. And um, and then obviously the podcast, we, we like him said, we talk for hours about, you know, do you feel like, sna- are you irritable and snappy at your partner? Are you exhausted? Like, are you, do you feel shock? Like, you know, all of these things and, and, and because, you know, we don't talk about grief, it's not like we could really talk about this with our peers or our partners who hadn't been through loss. So it was just so refreshing. And then we were just talking one day, weren't we, Im? And we were like, well, if we're feeling like this, there must be so many people in a similar situation who are going through grief, who feel like there isn't an outlet that openly talks about grief in a way that is just normal you know yeah. like this yeah. doesn't need to be a topic that is reserved for clinical papers or you know doom and gloom pamphlets like it yeah. what about if it was something that we brought into the light you know and made it accessible and that's how good morning came to be when we come back sal and M explore the nature of loneliness and grief and the wisdom they've gained through their own experiences of loss and from guests on their podcast over the years. You're listening to Grief is a Sneaky Bitch podcast. 
I'm your host, Lisa Kefauver. Friends, I'm focusing on three C's in 2024. And no, not the C cancer, that C I've been enduring all of 2023. My focus for 2024 is these three C's, connection, collaboration, and celebration. Why am I telling you that? Well, my friend, that's because I want to connect and celebrate with you this year. As I've shared in previous episodes, my book, Grief is a Sneaky Bitch, An Uncensored Guide to Navigating Loss, is now available for pre-order. Seriously, this still gives me the chills every time I say it. As a first-time author, I'm learning that pre-orders of the book are really important to show bookstores, which happens to be my favorite place to hang out, and my publisher, that the shelves need to be stocked fully when the book drops June 4th. So I realize this is a perfect opportunity to rock two of the C's I'm focusing on in 2024, connect and celebrate. On May 22nd, which also happens to be my birthday, I'm hosting a book launch party celebration, and I'd love to have you join me. After the show, all you need to do is visit your favorite online bookseller like bookshop.org, amazon.com or barnesandnoble.com and pre-order a copy of Grief is a Sneaky Bitch, an uncensored guide to navigating loss. Then make sure you're following me on Instagram at Lisa Kefauver MSW. That's Lisa K-E-E-F-A-U-V-E-R-M-S-W. And drop me a DM there to let me know you pre-ordered your copy and I'll share the party invite link with you. I can't wait to meet you, to thank you for supporting the show and, of course, the book, answer questions about the book, dish about behind the scenes of the podcast, and more. And, of course, just take some time to celebrate our lives together. Plus, I've invited a very special guest to join me as co-host. I can't wait to share that reveal with you soon. So after you've pre-ordered your copy of Grief is a Sneaky Bitch on your favorite online bookseller, don't forget to message me on Insta that you did. I'll send you the party invite link and the first of my many thank yous for your support. I know it's just a Zoom party, but I think I'm going to get dressed up in something fun and festive. How about you? Friends, I'm excited to share something. This new season of the podcast, season five, I'll be dropping episodes weekly. Yes, you heard me correctly. New episodes will drop each week. So make sure that you're follow or subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen so you don't miss an episode when it drops. If you're not sure how to do that, you simply head to the Grief is a Sneaky Bitch show page on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen, and then tap the plus sign in the upper right-hand corner or click the follow button. After that, if this podcast means something to you, if it's helped you in some way, why not leave a five-star rating and write a review? You could also click the share button and send the show to a friend who might need it too. I appreciate every one of you for listening, subscribing, and sharing the show. love that. I love that. And as you can imagine, I can relate so much. And I ended up my soul sister, best friend I met a year after my husband died. So I can relate to that. Like we saw each other across the room. We're like, you can handle deep, heavy things too. Okay. We're going to be lifelong friends. Yeah. But like n- no time for small talk, right? Straight into none. the trauma. <laughs> Straight into the trauma and the, yeah. But there's so many things each of you touched on there in both you and Sal. And I just want to reflect it back, our listeners, to to just like to not miss the gems that you offer there. I think one of them being um, just the lost in translation that sort of happens when you're the griever, especially when you're experiencing a loss at a time in a season where your peers or the people around you weren't like you didn't have your other friends hadn't, um, you know, lost their parents because you're all quite young. I definitely was, it was eight couples and then it was seven couples and Lisa. And I certainly didn't know any other, I mean, I was 40 when my husband died. So I definitely didn't know any other widows and the sort of lost in translation that happens both because you don't recognize yourself anymore, but because the things that you're thinking and experiencing, the physical, the psychological, the emotional, the relational impact that grief is having on you is like, 
night and day in terms of communication with other people. So when you can find somebody where you have that shorthand, which it sounds like is what you all experienced, I think is, you know, such a profound, such a profound experience. And, you know, something else you said, which you touched on in the book, in the chapter around loneliness, you, I can't remember the name of the person that you called in in terms of their wisdom, but just thinking about the loneliness and isolation each of you were feeling, even though you had support, even though you both, I think, have partners, is there's a difference between loneliness and being alone mm -hmm. and that sort of differentiation around, you know, um, I think the, the, the way you described it in the book was like, something that you want versus what you have. And I think we can all relate, especially maybe in our grief, that feeling of you can be in a room full of people mm -hmm. and feel really lonely, or you can feel alone and feel very seen if you've like maybe done your own work or feel very, a lot of self-love, et cetera, or be in a room with people. Is that sort of what you're, t tell me a little bit about what you each learned about loneliness and versus being alone and, and yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, you you can be alone and be fine. You can be, you can have absent absence of physical people physically around yeah. you and be okay, like you say, if you've done the work, but yeah. loneliness is the absence of a connection yes. with others. And that's yeah. what Im and I experienced in grief, even though we were surrounded by people, because people couldn't see us at the level that we were at they, they they couldn't understand exactly what we were going through through no fault of their own might i add you know it's just again they were they grew up in this grief illiterate culture too so how could they have yeah, yeah. totally and and that's what loneliness is and i think people sometimes confuse it they think if you're alone and there's no you know you don't have anyone around you then you're lonely but actually yeah. it's that internal feeling yeah. and I think we learned in didn't we that loneliness doesn't discriminate which I think we both had never really been lonely before have we in yeah. no definitely not I think it hit really hard and I still grapple with the loneliness yeah. even yeah. years later and something that I found really helpful was when we spoke to um, Dr. Lucy Holmes. So she's a resilient mm -hmm. expert. Mm -hmm. And something that she said just really hit home with me. And she's like, don't lose what you have to what you've lost. And I remember just mm -hmm. all I could focus on was what I didn't have. Yeah. I'd lost mm -hmm. my mom. I'd lost that, you know, that comfort, that nurturing. I felt like nobody in the world could give me that anymore. Like my world became very small. Yeah. And, you know, I had a baby and I had a partner and I had all these, you know, really wonderful things in my life still, but all I could zoom in on was just that one person that I'd lost. Yeah. It was like, there's another great quote, I can't think it off my head, but like all, all it takes is like one person to be gone for your whole world to feel yeah. empty. Yeah. And that's yeah. what I've really felt. Yeah. And I had to do a lot of work around that and like pulling myself out of just focusing on the loss and the lo and mm -hmm. my mom and and try to engage back with the people that were around me, the people that were still alive and here, and it it took yeah. a lot of work. Yeah, and sometimes I still need to do that. And yeah. yeah, I also felt like I couldn't relate to a lot of people because of the circumstances of my mom's death were really complicated and stuff. I haven't even been able to speak about on the pod before. So yeah, grief is really fucking lonely. So lonely and. Lonely because other people haven't experienced it, so they can't relate. Lonely because mm -hmm. culturally we don't talk about it. And mm -hmm. lonely because for me, I'm curious for each of you, I think there's, I felt lonely from myself, if that makes any sense. Like I didn't recognize myself anymore. I missed me because if I'm not Eric's wife, if I'm not a person in the world who's a part of a couple that's parenting our daughter, I'm, I'm, I didn't even recognize who I was anymore. And I think that loneliness can also come from that loss in our own identity story. And here you both were, you know, daughters without mothers. I mean, in this plane anyways, I don't want to, I know they're still here very much with you, but. Well, absolutely. That and I, yeah, that really, I completely relate to that. And I think we, when we spoke to Megan Devine, um, she explained it that, you know, when you lose somebody, especially when it's, you know, somebody that was, in your immediate sort of family circle so a spouse you know parent a child you you lose that 
reflection because we're relational yeah. beings. So you, yeah. you, you lose a mirror um, and that can impact your sense of self. And I think especially, you know, when you lose a, a husband, a partner, you know, you're so interconnected, your life's so interconnected, yeah. like yeah. everything changes. And I think when it comes to loneliness, you're right. You, you don't recognize yourself. You don't really recognize the world around you, your social structure changes. Yeah. And I think then on top of that, if your self-confidence has been knocked, if your self-esteem and you don't feel like yourself and you're trying to relearn who you are in this world, yeah. right? And your role in this world, that can be, it can be lonely because you're probably not feeling confident also to go out and yeah. put yourself out there, foster new connections, um, necessarily go and, and, and nurture those existing relationships because you're, you know, you feel yeah. like a different person. So that then can compound the loneliness, I think. Absolutely. And as you were saying, like, Im, you were just acknowledging Sal's, the beautiful way in which Sal was able to hold the weight of your grief, especially in the deep early phases of your grief and that pain. And for a lot of us, <clears throat> I don't know, I'm going to speak for myself. Not only did I not recognize myself, but I had this feeling that I didn't want to be the bummer at every party and be the like, I'm just, oh, like, I mean, literally, I remember somebody was like, oh, that's the widow. I heard them say when I walked into a room, I was like, well, that's a fun, you know, like, you know, marker. So I think outrageous. That, that thing is like, but we don't even sort of want to show up. But and there's something that you just said there earlier. I just want to, again, pull back on because I think it's important. I think of so many people can relate and in case you're a listener listening, maybe early in your grief, you know, you talked about the reminder that you heard from the guest about not letting that one loss keep you from seeing all the other things that you have. And I think that's such important wisdom. And if you're early in your grief, be careful not to should on yourself that you're because I think a lot of us like, oh, well, I still have a child. I still have friends. What's wrong with me for focusing on the loss? And I think there's the both and, which I'm always talking about on the show. It's like, it's my tattoos. Like, both, the both mm -hmm. and is like, yes, it's very natural to, for you to have attended to the deep despair around your mom's death, especially as surprising as it was, and to attend to that. And we can't kind of live there forever. So, how do we move back and forth between honoring and acknowledging the validity of that loss mm -hmm. while also finding our way? to kind of back to the light maybe and and to know that that's not a binary like it's not an on off switch it's something you were just saying you're still moving back and forth between how, yeah. how do you remind yourself or what are your tools or skills to keep yourself from kind of moving between those spaces I love that you brought this up because it is important for people to know that it's not one or the other you know, grief is so individual as well. And what works yeah. for some people may not yeah. work for other people. But I think there's also a light and dark to grief. Yeah. And when you're in the early days, months, year, like yeah. I know, early <laughs> however is long the it is for you, it's just, you know, yeah. it, for me, the early months were, was 10 months. Yeah. I, I've kind of, that's a marker for me where 10 months, yeah. something shifted. Um, so for me, I, I had to sit in that darkness and a lot of people do, you need to sit in that darkness and you need to, to feel those things and, you know, feel those heavy emotions so they can flow through you. So it is really important not to try and like, you know, that whole toxic positivity thing. Yeah. Like, I'm so grateful for my daughter. Yeah. I'm so grateful for my partner who's still alive. It's not about that. And yeah. I think there's a real difference between being strong and being resilient. Yeah. And I think resilience is something that we all have the capabilities to be, yes. but it takes work and you don't have to do it until you feel ready as well. Yes. So just for me, I knew that there were times where I needed to be resilient because yeah. I had a baby. I had to keep going. I had to get up. I didn't want her to lose her mum as well. And I was in some pretty dark head spaces sometimes. And so I was yeah. seeing a lot of therapists and all the advice was like, just don't, don't lose what you have. And I, I just made that a priority to focus yeah. my energy and my attention on my child. And there's another really helpful 
bit of wisdom that we learned from Dr. Edith Eager, who was a Holocaust survivor. She's in her 90s. We had her on our podcast and she's absolutely incredible for anyone who's dealing with, you know, huge amounts of trauma and wanting to learn about forgiveness. And, And she said when you go through really significant trauma, you go through a period where you have to live for something or someone outside yeah. of yourself. Yeah. I really struggled to want to survive. Like I, there were days where I just didn't want to live and I didn't want to be here and I didn't want to live the rest of my life without my mum, but I wasn't doing it for me for for quite some time. I was living yeah. with my daughter and I was like, yeah. okay, well, I've got to, I've got to show up and I've got to yeah. get through today, get to get through this next minute. And that was it, like just just focusing on little steps at a time. And then eventually I did start living for myself again and it didn't happen overnight. And trust me, there's days where I take 10 steps back but I just, I've got the tools in place now to know that it's okay to have really bad days 10 years into your loss. You know, it doesn't mean that you're going backwards. It doesn't mean that all of the healing that you've done, you know, has vanished. Like that's just grief because it's a lifelong process. So it's not going to be something overnight. It's not going to be something that you practice resilience and then that's it. You're resilient now. You're over your grief. That's not it at all. It's just a toolkit that we've got to create with the things that work for us as individuals that we can dip in and out to when we have those really shit grief days because we will all still have them. Yeah. Oh, so much wisdom in there. I mean, just starting with where you ended, which was it is a lifelong journey. We're we're all building our own toolkit. There are some things, you know, that are generally universally helpful to some people. And also, as we move through grief, the things that are in our toolkit that served us in year one and year two and year three may not be serving us in year 10 or 12. And to even give ourselves permission to be like, well, that, you know, like, I'm going to clear some space and, and learn something new. I'm like use learning about and working through a lot of somatic work right now, even as, you know, I was a clinical social worker at the time of my husband's death and don't get me started on how poorly the social work field ill prepared us all for grief. But, you know, so like now somatics is really important. I'm really trying to unearth some of the trauma and loss in my body. Whereas for a while, talk therapy, narrative therapy was really useful. So for all of you who are listening, whatever your toolkits are, don't be afraid or even self-critical to say like, well, I have therapy and I have a friend and I exercise. So what's wrong with me? It's okay to say mm, this toolkit combination, you know, isn't oh my God, working. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, It's an ongoing thing. And like somatic therapy, like breath work and oh. um, meditation has been really helpful for, for Im and I and like energy healing and, and things yeah. like that. But also like, I think where we were at in the early days of our grief, you know, it was all very much about talk therapy um, and the emotions. And then we kind of moved into like the body. um, And and I think for him and I, our grief, it's almost like that was the catalyst for peeling back the layers for other stuff that we needed to work on. And as our grief has, you know, changed shape over time, it's been things like learning to set boundaries and and recognizing that we were people pleasing and learning about, like Im said, resilience and what that really is and learning about, you know, like how to manage our anxiety. We're both massively anxious people and have had anxiety for a long time and having like learning how to cope with those things as well as grief, you know, grief is one element that then is encompasses so many other things to do with our, you know, our whole, our whole lives. Our so whole think, self and our yeah. whole self. I mean, mm. I'd love, one of the things, um, I'm sure f- folks who follow me on social media, Lisa Kefauver for MSW and whatever you're going to, you have already seen, will continue to see me just like saying, yes, yes, mm-hmm. yes. It's the whole time when I was reading through this book, which is why it's flagged and looks, if you can see me on video right now, it's just tagged and flagged is I really appreciated how much we see the sort of grief world similarly. And I appreciated the way you helped expand um, in the ways that I tried to do this. Grief is not just feelings and it's not just sad feelings. It's emotional and psychological and physical and relational and it's spiritual. And you also really helped us um, use kind of the permission giving word of like whatever it is that you need to discover. And that when you're peeling back, Whatever it is you're peeling back by having a grief sash, which I love is how you guys yeah. talked it, talked about it, right? It's having a grief sash mm-hmm. is you are going to be maybe 
um, tapping into other losses or other traumas that you haven't faced yet. And instead of feeling like that is a backward step, I think for me, it's been kind of revelatory to be able to really um, move through old losses and old traumas in ways that I didn't know I hadn't moved through because I had Mm -hmm. done therapy or something like that. And but the resilience and the joy and the light and the effortlessness that comes by working through those things is is really profound, right? I mean, yeah. Definitely. Oh, gosh. As we come towards the last part of our conversation, Sal and M explore what they've learned about the mind-body connection as it relates to grief. They also pass along the wisdom they've learned from great thinkers in this space, including Dr. Joanne Cacciatore. You're listening to Grief is a Sneaky Bitch podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Kefauver. Would you like to stay in touch with me off the air? I know I'd love to connect with you more for sure. Maybe you're looking for some grief support tips or some behind the scenes content from the pod. Maybe you'd like to know the sources of my own learning about grief and what it means to survive and thrive in the world in the wake of loss. I'd love to share all of that with you. So here are a few quick ways to make sure we stay connected. First, sign up for my not-so-regular newsletter by visiting lisakefauver.com forward slash newsletter. That's lisa, K-E-E-F-A-U-V-E-R dot com forward slash newsletter. Just in case you're curious, it's called that because, like grief, this newsletter isn't on a schedule. Second, just head over to your favorite socials like Instagram and follow me at Lisa Kefauver MSW. I'm doing my best to post at grief as a sneaky bitch on Instagram too. We'll see how that goes this season. I offer a lot of candid shares there about myself, about the podcast, my work as a grief activist, and of course, my forthcoming book. And third, you know the drill by now. Make sure you're subscribed to the show on your favorite podcast platform so I pop up on your screen the minute the next episode drops. You may or may not know that I show up in person and online in many more places besides in your podcast feed each week. In addition to the keynote addresses and workplace trainings I offer, I've had the honor of leading a series of online grief workshops recently with a community of grievers just like you. In fact, the folks that have shown up for the first two workshops were all listeners to the show. If you're looking for an intimate online gathering space to feel seen and heard in your grief, to learn and practice the skills that will make navigating grief just a little bit easier, join me for one or more of my upcoming workshops in the Reimagining Grief Together online series. You can learn more and sign up at the link in the show notes or head to lisakefauver.com today after the show. That's Lisa, K-E-E-F-A-U-V-E-R.com. Learning like the the mind-body connection, like, uh, yeah, talk therapy yeah. only took me so far. Yeah. And then it was like, okay, what's this grief doing in my body? And you know what? Like something else that was really helpful for us, we interviewed Dr. Joanne Cacciatore. Yeah. And I think your listeners would love to hear this because it was like, whoa, that makes so much sense. She was like, people keep saying like grief is the asshole and like I want to get rid of grief. I want to, you know, just I want grief to be gone. But she's like grief isn't the asshole, you know. And I think death is the asshole. Death is the asshole. And (laughs) also like separating grief from trauma, like all this stuff we're talking about working through somatically, a lot of that is trauma, not grief. Yes. You know, so we had so much trauma in our bodies. We were so riddled, even from our childhood, Sal and I, like we just had like anxiety issues and constantly overthinking and our nervous systems were over on overdrive. It's called sympathetic overdrive. So even learning about our nervous systems, the parasympathetic nervous system and the sympathetic nervous system, like it's so simple when, you know, you just hear it in a way that makes sense, but we're not taught this stuff. No. 
No. So we were just in like sympathetic overdrive. Our nervous systems were just like running wild. We weren't like sleeping properly. Like yeah. everything was impacted. And then we learned the mind-body connection and that actually the, the trauma is staying stored in our body unless we do yeah. things, the work, the energy work to get rid of it. It's just going to keep festering away in there and giving us like mental health issues, gastrointestinal issues, like so many things. Yeah. And that just changed our lives. And yep. we're actually like healthier, happier people than we've been in so long because we're doing the body work now, yes. which I feel like everyone needs to be doing somatic work. We do um, something called Kundalini as well. I don't know if you're mm-hmm. familiar with yes. Lisa, but it's yeah. just absolutely changed changed my life. It's amazing. Yeah. Well, and I appreciate, and again, wherever you are, listeners, sort of in your grief and whatever resources you're using, remember to just check in with yourself. I always think about, and having been a talk therapist for much of my career, you know, mm-hmm. I think talk therapy is necessary, but not sufficient is how mm-hmm. I would describe it. For most people who've experienced, certainly for people who've experienced any form of trauma, mm-hmm. whether it's big T or little T trauma, and definitely I would even say just anybody who's experienced grief, um, because we are not disconnected at the head from our body. We are actually one integrated system and our body treats these losses as a threat. And so that we have all of this activation in our body, which leads to all the things that we talk about in chronic stressors in a way. So I appreciate you distinguishing those things. And I don't know about you, but I, I mean, and I had traumas prior to my own losses. And then that, that was my situation was traumatic as well. I think not all grief is traumatic, but I actually think all trauma has grief component, meaning if you experience that traumatic event, there is a loss, loss of sense Mm -hmm. of safety, loss of identity, loss of security. So if you're involved in anything related to those things, be listeners, be curious and we'll drop, I'll drop some links in the um, show notes for today's episodes. And of course, listen to conversations I've had on my pod with folks around stressors and on good morning podcast, but to, to find ways to move into nurturing your whole self, mm-hmm. um, not just your emotions is really, is, is really critical. I'm curious how you thought, how you ended up putting this book together when you um, were thinking about all the things that you learned over these years from the guests that you've had on your show, from your therapist, from your own resources and toolkits, how did you think about putting this book together and what were the kind of like themes or messages that you, even when you were sort of first making notes, you knew this is what I need our readers to know about grief that we wish we would have known. I mean, that's sort of the book. Yeah. Well, I think we, you know, we we felt that there weren't many books out there that were digestible um, yeah. and easy to that kind of unpack grief in a very easy way. Um, Im and I both had brain fog massively when um, we were in the first year or so, even of yeah. um, of our grief. So we both found it really hard to like labor over like heavy books that felt clinical. Um, so we wanted to create something that was engaging, had bite-sized information that you could literally just pick up and put down. So that kind of ha- informed the design of the book. And then also like what we do with the pod, and I think something that's really important to us is talking about parts of grief that people don't talk about or might not realize yeah. are connected to grief. So for example, brain fog is something yeah. that yeah. you know we talk about a lot. And every time we do talk about brain fog, we get people going, oh my God, I didn't even re- I didn't even connect the dots. I didn't even realize that was to do with my grief. I thought it was, yeah. you know, just I'm something just trying to change. I'm getting old or yeah. Yeah. And 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 loneliness and things that people, you know, don't don't talk about. Um so we really wanted to shine a light on on the topics and also shine light on the things that are not obvious, you know, to actually give people something that's helpful and they'll go, Oh yeah. Light bulb moment. You know, this is happening for me and give them the tools and strategies. And we've got a massive community, haven't we? So it was really important to us to bring our community stories in of other people who had experienced loss so that whoever was reading the book, no matter where they were, what their situation, their gender, their age, they would feel seen throughout in some way that was super important to us too yeah 
I love that. I love that you both shared your own stories. There was just little, like little pictures and little, this is a little Sal story and this is a little M story. But that, as you said, you brought in the stories and experiences of your listeners based on the topic, whether it was grief style or loneliness or grief support, which I want to touch on. Um, mm-hmm. But also what helped that you invited them to share what helped them. I really loved that part of your book. You know, they would share their story and then share like, what is their resource? Um, yeah. And you it, know, you know, that's all, working for them. Yeah. And it all ties back to the loneliness that we started talking about at the very start of this podcast is, you know, it was really important for us to have a book that felt like a support group in a book yeah. where people could read it, but also feel part of a community because grief is so lonely, you know, they could pick up that book and feel seen and heard in some way and also understand that there were, there's other people going through this as well. That was super, super key for us. So we really hope that the book has done that job. A hundred percent has done that job. And Mm -hmm. as I've shared with my listeners, my book grief is sneaky bitch is coming out. And I have that same in the spring of 24. And I have that same feeling because again, like you all, when I first went through my profound loss, even though I was a social worker, I was surrounded by social workers. I really did not feel seen and held. No one knew how to do it. And um, not everybody can get to a support group and meet a Sal and an M, although you guys might be just like a, the poster ladies for go to a support group and you might find your spiritual soul sister. So <laughs> I don't know. Um, but we don't always have that. And and though I think our pod, our mutual podcasts do offer a place for people to fee, feel seen and held, I think your book really did such a beautiful job um, allowing people to um, see these little nuances about grief that we don't talk about and have those sort of aha moments. Was there something that you um, M, wanted to make sure was in the book, just sort of even maybe based on what you learned from guests on your show or even just from your own, like what you had been searching for when you were an early griever and that that was important for you to include in the book? Is there something that comes to mind? I think chapter three and kind of like yeah. what we have touched on today, like the mind-body connection and how yeah. grief impacts us physically because yeah. that has been, that was one of the most surprising elements of both of our grief was how physical and exhausting it was and that I think that's the thing that can make you feel crazy can make you feel like you're not getting better not that everybody is getting better (laughs) whatever that is and we also judge ourselves so hard um so that I think is one of the important things that we really wanted to include in the book and also just Mm -hmm. again highlighting how individual grief is and we really wanted to get across that Sal and I, we had the same loss, our mum suddenly, but our experiences of grief were wildly different Mm -hmm. and we both judged ourselves as well. So we really wanted to normalise grief in all its glory. Yeah. (laughs) As well. So we hope that 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 came across as well. But, yeah, just... And I think that was important, including the community stories too, just to hear a wide range of people's experiences because it is so individual. It is so individual. And I think this is always the both and about talking about that. I had a uh, guest on um, Colin Campbell who sort of railed back against this notion of that grief is unique because he sort of, which I agree, I think grief is unique. But the pushback that he offered, which I really appreciated is, And yet we can't sit on that story of grief is unique as an excuse for us to not share our stories. Because when we don't share our stories, then we make everybody feel like there's just something wrong with us. And though each person's sort of journey along the way is different, there's a lot of common things. We all are Mm. fatigued and we feel anxiety Mm. and we feel brain fog and we feel confusion and we feel lonely and we feel, you know, bittersweetness. And there's so much that's common at the same time as the constellation of how we move through it is unique. And I think your book does a really beautiful job of showing that you like Sal was sort of an irrational instrumental griever and went about, I remember you like you were to-do list, you know, kind of griever and, Mm -hmm. and you were like laid out, not, you know, able to do things. So yes, there are those differences, but underneath there was a lot of this common experience that so many of us have. And I think you you all did a beautiful job of helping us see the both end of the uniqueness and the universality, really. I totally. Think, and of- I think like with our grieving styles, it's not like it's important not to pigeonhole yourself. Like, because Im and I, when we reflect in the book, we talk about I was, you know, 
more instrumental and Im was more intuitive. But actually then when we look back on it, Im, there was a lot of stuff that Im was doing in terms of like psychological autopsy around her mum's death that was actually probably her leaning into her more instrumental side. Yes. And I yeah. would have weekends where I couldn't get off the sofa and I was just a hot mess and I was just so emotional and that was me leaning into my intuitive side. So I think, yeah, it's important to go. You might ha- naturally have like one style that you perhaps is your modus operandi, but um, you but you also may cross over. So it's important for listeners to know, right? Don't don't put yourself into like one category and then think that's the only way I've got to do it. You know, just like we judge ourselves, like just, yeah, it's important to know that you can kind of, often people are both, often there are yeah. commonalities. Yeah, absolutely. And all of these sort of categories, when we think about grief styles or any of the sort of categories or descriptions that you, that we talk about when we talk about, you know, trying to create this grief literate world are just that they're categories or they are markers for us to feel like, oh, I can see myself in that description or that story. They're not meant to hold us prisoner. Like, uh, then I have to be this way, or I'm not exactly that way. And what's wrong with me? Or I, or even, or I didn't, I grieve differently for the last loss as I did this loss. I think that's something we don't talk about. Our grief styles can change very Mm. much, not just within one processing one loss, but even when we go from one loss to the next. So yes, I think that came through really clearly. What you all are offering is this uh, reminder that these themes that you explore, that we explore, are just there to help us feel seen and mm-hmm. to help us get curious about what we need to, what's our next best step in our own grief journey, not getting us stuck somewhere or pigeonholing or labeling ourselves. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I know we're wrapping up our conversation. So, and then you've been um, on TV and podcasting and talking about the book. And since the book has sort of been out in the world, I'm curious if there are new, if there's certain feedback or sort of ahas that you've had even since, because boy, is the publishing process a long journey. So by the time the book actually gets into the world, I'm just curious if there's like any ahas or revelations, things you maybe wish you would have included or feedback that you wanted to share with our listeners about just this experience of putting all this wisdom into a book? Oh, that's an interesting one. I feel like we did a pretty good job of getting everything that we wanted to say down on paper. That was probably the hardest part though, because there was so much that we wanted to say. Yeah. But I don't think we've had that moment yet where we're like, oh, damn, I wish that we'd known this and then written the book. I feel like it was the perfect time for us to put it out in the world and gather all of the amazing wisdom from all of our guests as well and our own experiences and our community members. So yeah, I'm, I'm, pretty confident that we got yeah. everything that we wanted to say out but I'm sure as our grief evolves because it will we'll yeah. want to include more things so hopefully one day there's a new edition who knows yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 how about you Sal any reflections that you've heard from readers or just as you've been in conversations things you're you know maybe even just appreciating about what mm. the book is offering people that you hadn't even maybe expected I think the book has I mean we 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 get messages, hundreds of messages actually every week saying, thank you, your podcast has saved me and your book is the only thing that I've read where I can truly re- like feel like my grief is being seen. And I think yeah. that for us, we're very fortunate in the fact that we feel like what we set out to achieve with the book, we have in a sense of it actually helping people and people feeling seen, heard, validated, less alone. Um So like Im said, in terms of reflections, I think the main reflections are that I feel proud that we have achieved what we wanted to with the book. And when we receive those messages, I feel really glad that we can support people in the way that we intend to. Yeah, yeah. Well, I am so grateful to the two of you to be in community with you here on the show, to also be fellow podcasters in the world. I so appreciate um, just the gifts that you're bringing and that you are, you know, sort of translating your own experiences um, into the world in a way that's serving uh, uh, others, which, mm-hmm. um, by the way, is also a good grief resource. If you want to add that to your toolkit, mm-hmm. helping others is a good grief resource for yourself. <laughs> but anyways, thank you so much to the two of you for joining me on the podcast. Listeners, do yourself a favor 
Get yourself a copy of Good Morning, uh, Honest Conversations About Grief and Loss by Sal and M. And if you aren't already subscribed to their pod, what are you waiting for, y'all? Go ahead and get onto Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform. Hit subscribe to Good Morning Podcast. And by the way, if you happen to be listening to my show and you're not already subscribed, go ahead and click that subscribe button too. Um, thank you so much to the two of you for joining on the show, for gifting us your words in this book. I so appreciate it. I hope this will not be our last conversation. Um, just so appreciate the two of you joining me on Grief as a Sneaky Bitch podcast today. Thank you so much, Lisa. And I'm loving all your post-it notes in the book. That makes that just fills us up with so much joy. <laughs> it's been so lovely to connect with you. Thank you, Lisa. It's been it's been awesome. Such a good conversation. And we yeah, love your work. It's really lovely to have this connection. Yeah. Thank you. My friends, aren't these two full of charm, care, and wisdom? If you haven't checked out their podcast yet, I highly recommend you do. And of course, head to the link in the show notes to pick up a copy of their book, Good Morning, Honest Conversations About Grief and Loss. Thank you for listening to our conversation today. If you found it helpful, don't forget to share this episode with others who might need it too. If you do and it's on socials, don't forget to tag me at Lisa Kefoffer MSW. And of course, if you loved it, leave a five-star rating and write a review wherever you listen to the show. Oh, and this season, I've committed to releasing the unedited video version of these episodes on my new YouTube channel at Lisa Kefauver MSW. Thanks to Mike Moody at Permanent Record for the audio engineering support and Guile Smith of Alafia Sounds for providing the music. Until next time, I see you, I hear you, and I'm holding you in my heart. <laughs>